0: Welcome back to Kid Men Talk. This is your host, Carl Bastian from Kidology.org, where our mission is always to equip and encourage you in your children's ministry. This is the 131st episode, and we've got a great topic today. We're going to be talking about how do you maintain or in, encourage relational ministry in a digital age. As I'm recording this, the coronavirus is shutting down businesses and ministries across the country as our government seeks to uh, slow down the spread of this crazy virus. And so all the more we need to know how we can continue to touch people's lives even as we're not supposed to touch them without some hand sanitizer. I also wanna tell you about an awesome new featured resource that can help you train and equip your people even more so in the digital age. Are you ready? It's time to talk Kidman. All right, we are gathered here. I'm at the church, but it is a ghost town today. It's a Sunday night, and this building was empty all day long. Our local government here in Colorado, in fact, the whole statewide government has asked us not to have meetings of more than 250 people as they are trying, of course, to uh, prevent the spread of this coronavirus. I don't need to tell you about it. You know all about it. You've been you're listening and digesting and and yes, there's all kinds of conversations and opinions. But at the end of the day, the reality is we have to deal with the reality, not only of the virus, but the consequence of of how this. Uh, viruses being combated, the impact on families and churches and, and businesses and people. And as we're not able to gather together, it's so much more important that we find ways to have meaningful relational ministry to people. You know, I love the phrase relational ministry. I coined that decades ago. At the time, I don't think I'd ever heard that term ever used Um, It is what gave birth to Kidology. It is the study of kids and how to minister to them within the context of their world, relational ministry. Now I see books with that title and articles and blogs, and I'm not saying they got it for me. I'm just saying I celebrate that relational ministry has become a phrase that is not just me beating that drum. But now I think it's even more important that we talk about that. First, I want to tell you about our featured resource. This is something I have recently stumbled upon, and I am so excited to be helping spread the word about ServeHQ.Church. It is an online ministry created by a pastor who was struggling for how he could train and equip his volunteers and leaders in his ministry. Now, perhaps you have used the child security video that I've produced for my own volunteers, and it's on Kidology. I'll link it in the show notes that uh, helps just address, um, you know, the never alone policies and um, all the safety precautions that we have in place. And I ask all of our leaders to watch that, you know, but it's kind of an honor system. I don't really know uh, whether they've watched it. And so SurveHQ is a system where you can import all of your leaders. In fact, if you use Planning Center, you can import a list of them, and then you can create courses, and they can be just be one video with some questions and attachments. There can be multiple modules of videos that you want them to work through. But the beauty of it is, you can know whether they watch the video by their answers to the questions. And when they're done and they complete it, you get an email. And I'm excited to start using this in my own church. In fact, I'm already using it with the master classes that I'm teaching on Kidology. The first master class, we used Facebook group, but that excluded people who were not a part of Facebook. And so I was so excited to discover ServeHQ HQ and right now, the masterclass that I'm leading, I'm being a proactive leader, we are using Serve HQ. There's chat, there's messaging. It's similar to a Facebook group without all the clutter. And it also provides a safe place for volunteers to communicate because there is the accountability, messages, and posts. They can, they can be archived, but they can't be deleted. So when you have a married, uh, people talking to someone else that's not their spouse, or you have youth leaders communicating with, with minors, all of that can be open for inspection and review and just creates accountability. And so it's a safe place uh, for communication as well as training. So. I want to encourage you to check out servehq.church and, and Scott, the, the founder who now runs this full time, um, has been so generous to allow me to offer you an incredible discount. All right, you just mention Kidology and you will get 50% off the cost of ServeHQ, and the pricing is based on the size of your church and you'll get that 50% off for six months and by then you will know that it is worth the Investment, so I'm excited to tell you about that. Well, let's let's shift gears and let's talk about relational ministry in a digital world. What's going on right now, where so many of us cannot meet together? Immediately, I began to pray and to to wrestle with how do I maintain ministry to the kids at my church when when I can't see them in person, I can't minister to them. And so we just found out, like, late on Friday that we were not going to be able to meet on Sunday morning. And so immediately our pastoral staff got together. Uh, For our church, we took our services online, but rather than, you know— Perform or preach or lead worship to an empty auditorium. We created a custom video uh, with worship. We even did a really fun Jimmy Fallon game, and I was the game show host. Uh, and it was all the pastors' wives and the women on staff uh, were contestants, and they had to reach into a box with an object that the audience could see, but they couldn't. And uh, and it was a lot of fun, and it had to do with, of course, overcoming. Fear, and then it went into a, a conversation with the pastors, actually right here in the podcast studio, um, discussing um, a message. And I'm not going to repeat all that. But I I was a part of that, but I was wondering, how, what do I do for the kids? So I was up late Friday writing a lesson, and then I went home and cried, and I could not sleep. I mean, I woke up at 2 30 in the morning, and my brain was just racing with creative ideas. And by 3 o'clock, I gave up. I was like, I'm just going to lay here and think. I might as well get something done. So I got up, drove to church. And began to set up a green screen and a magic backdrop and a blue screen for worship videos and my set and cameras and lights and extension cords and all this crazy stuff. And I got it all set up and all planned. And then my body finally said, uh, I think you forgot something. Yeah, it's called sleep. So um, I, uh, I just slept here at the church for a couple hours and let my body re- rejuvenate. By 7 a.m., I was back to filming and I produced an entire kids' church service. And then I decided, hey, I can't be the only church that needs this. And so I decided to share it. So if you go to kidology.org forward slash kids church online, it's already there. It's already been downloaded and viewed over 2000 times. And it just delights me to try and imagine how many kids got to benefit from this. And I learned a lot through the process and I don't want to spend too much time on it. Maybe I'll share another time. But it's the first time I ever filmed something out of order um where I did all the green screen first and then I did all the worship videos and then and then I pieced it all back together and I was able to to produce that in one day. And now yes, I'm going to be continuing it. I'm going to be producing a 4 week series next. It's called Rise and it's discovering Jesus. And you know my love for acronyms if you listen to this podcast. So I'm going through the letters of the word Rise. And talking about Jesus, our Redeemer, Jesus, Emmanuel. And then we're talking about Jesus, the Savior, that's on Palm Sunday. And then Jesus, the Everlasting Father, is going to be on Easter Sunday. We're going to talk about heaven and the, and the resurrection and living forever and ever. And it's going to be fantastic. And that's going to be available. And I'm making it completely free. It's not even in the all-access member area of Kidology because I don't want any hurdle to keep anybody from being able to use this. And I've gotten emails from literally all over the world of churches and families that are enjoying this kid's church online. So that just got my gears going in that that's one thing I can do in in creating a virtual children's church experience for kids. And there's a parent discussion guide to equip parents But I don't know if if you're as old as I am, you probably remember back in, oh, when was it, the 80s or the 90s, um, when AT&T had their commercial reach out reach out and touch someone. Well, that's like, ah, we, we can't touch anybody. We got to have hand sanitizer. Um, and maybe you saw my Chick-fil-A uh, video where I put on my chemical suit and I went into Chick-fil-A and I had uh, kind of a humorous way of dealing with the fear and and ended up getting to invite people to church. And I did balloon animals for all the kids. It, it was a good time. Um, but ministry is about touching people. It's about touching them spiritually. It's about Impacting their life. We live in a non contact world, right? Every time something happens in the news and they interview the neighbors, they're like, well, he's kind of quiet, he kept to himself because we live in this disconnected society. Now, on our phones and our iPads and our computers, like there's this perception of incredible connection because we're networking and we're doing social media. And of course, with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and a bunch of others that, that I, I, I can't even, I choose not to be a part of all of them, LinkedIn. Um, there's this perception of connectivity, and yet there's also the reality that people are becoming more and more isolated. Uh, more and more young people, um, they're closer to their online friends that they've never met than they are with the kids in their life. So how how can we reach out and to touch lives? So I said I like acronyms. Remember, I came up with the acronym for acronym, a crazy riddle of nuggets yielding meaning. And so we're going to just go through T-O-U-C-H and just talk about five ways that we can have a relational connection. And some of these are going to be technology because that is the world that we live in. And the first one's very simple And it's texting, right? I could say technology, but we're going to talk about a lot of technology in different categories. And that's such a broad term. But yes, we all text, but we can be strategic about our texting. One of the things that I love to do is to go through my phone and scroll down. And sometimes if I get some idle time, I'm in a waiting room um, or I just get stuck somewhere, I will go into my phone and I will just scan down like pages. I leave them all in there and I'll find someone that I have not talked to for a long time, and I'll just send a text. I'll just reach out to them and say, hey, thought about you, how you doing, just wanted to check in with you, and it has such a profound impact on people. They enjoy it, right? It's relational. Everyone loves to be remembered. In fact, you can even pray and ask God to reveal to you people who um, need ministry, and just say, God, bring someone to mind, and, and God will bring someone to mind, and sometimes you're like, I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit, or just some random, you know, electro charge in my brain, you know, I don't know what brought them back, and then I'll just reach out, and you can just say, hey, I was praying, the Lord brought you to mind, I don't know if there's any special need uh, going on in your life right now, but if there's a way I can pray for you, or help you, uh, please let me know. Sometimes I never hear back, uh, maybe they don't like me. I don't know. But usually, in fact, most of the time, people will say you You cannot believe the timing of that text. Because the reality is, and I love to say this all the time in ministry, everyone's going through something, right? Uh, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't have something going on in their life. And a lot of times, they don't know or feel like there's people they can share that with. And so letting people know that you're a safe place Um, that they can just ask for prayer or feedback, and sometimes they just need a listening ear, and texting can do that, and you can have fun ways. Now, guys listening it's like, uh, yeah, I'm not sending a text to another guy going, oh, just thinking about you, buddy. Um, Yeah, that's a little awkward. The ladies are great at that, and um, they're they're more relationally naturally wired than we are, so how do guys do that? So I do something. I would demonstrate it, except I'm filming with my iPhone, That I've done for a couple years with some of my buddies, and uh, I got this from a friend. It was either Stanley or Josh, I can't remember. They were some of the first cohorts, and it's called Siri Roulette, and it's where you simply go to text someone and you hit the Siri button, and you just you just dictate gobbledygook, something like that. Siri, bless her heart, she works really hard and she does her best to translate it, and it's complete nonsense. Now, you can't just hit send, because Siri is not a Christian, all right? And her vocabulary is not sanctified. And if you don't wanna be sending uh, profanity to your friend, yet you do sometimes, you know, Siri needs an accountability partner. I don't know if Google Voice or, you know, or Alexa can maybe reach out to her, but sometimes she, she can have a potty mouth. So you, that's just my warning about 5% of the time, I'm like, ooh, I ain't sending that. And I delete it, but then you just send that. And if your friend knows what you're doing, they interrupt in the middle of the day, they will send you a Siri roulette back. And you and I've had some pretty funny conversations, but it's kind of a non-threatening, non-weird way. I don't know, you ladies are probably going, that is totally weird, uh, of just saying, hey, you came to mind, I'm thinking about you. And sometimes those Siri roulette conversations have led into, hey, while I know you're available, uh, hey, can I get your, get your thoughts on something or other? So Siri Roulette's great. I'm also going to mention another app that I really enjoy. It's called Marco Polo. It's a free app. Their icons of beach ball. I have no idea why that is. But Marco Polo is a free app that is video texting. You literally grab your phone, you hit the button, and you can just talk to somebody and the secret is to keep them short. You can even do groups. I use a Marco Polo group for the master class so that we can all kind of keep in touch with each other and, and communicate, and I can send out notes of encouragement. I use it with teams at church. I use it with family. I don't use it with everybody. Really, it's it's people that I, I actually know, um, but it's a great app, and it's got some bells and whistles. I don't bother with you. There's voice filters, and you can draw on the screen, and and uh, there's some silly fun stuff in there. I I don't use any of that. I just use it for the video chatting, and uh, it's a great way to send uh, notes of encouragement, verbally and visually, um, funny things. It's kind of like stories on Instagram and Facebook, um, but it's one-on-one. And when you do that, it makes a relational impact on people. People know you're busy. They know you've got more important things than them. And when you take a moment out of your day in the grocery store aisle. Um, If you're at a red light and you've got your phone in a mount, sometimes I just do them in the car because I can just hit start and I can say a few things and hit stop. Um, It's a great relational tool. No, they're not paying me to promote them. It's not a Christian company as far as I know, Um, but it's a great app and it's called Marco Polo. And yes, it's on Apple as well as that, that other wannabe Apple. I forget what it's called. So the next one's the letter O, and this is a pretty obvious one, and it is a pretty broad one, but the letter O is online. Yes, we can relate to people online, but we need to be strategic in how we do it. Yes, there's social media and there's tagging people on Facebook. Uh, one of the coolest things you can do is to have a closed Facebook group that's just for you and your personal friends. Have you ever found something that you think's funny? Maybe it's political, maybe it's a little edgy, but you're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to share this Um, to the world, because I I don't want to offend anyone, people that don't know my sense of humor. So you can create a closed Facebook group that's just for your family or friends, for your volunteers, uh, for parents in your church, and it becomes a little more intimate, also becomes a little bit more safe, and you can um, be a little more relational with prayer requests. You know, we all have that awkward feeling when someone kind of TMI's a little bit too much information to the whole world. When they do that, it's because they're starving for meaningful relationships. And they need to invest in identifying who are the people who who know them enough to actually care about them. I mean, it sounds bad to say, I don't care, but if I don't know the person, I don't even know if they'd be open to my input or feedback or encouragement, that um, they're kind of bleeding to the world. We, we need to have those safe places that we can rant or we can question or we can... Um, everything from serious to humor, and so I, I really encourage. You, if you don't, you could be the one to create it. Even with the Yosemite Summit that I do for guys every year, we have a closed Yosemite Summit group, and it is a group for guys. And the and the common denominator is they've all been on the summit, and no one else is allowed um, in that group. And so it has served as a ministry group for guys that you know have hiked and gone to Yosemite. Some guys have gone multiple years. Um, some have only been once, some of them know each other, most of them actually don't know each other, and so it's a group of really just about 50 guys, but what they have in common is the shared experience of the release and the renewal and just the the scenic, you know, experiences at Yosemite National Park, and, and it's one of my favorite Facebook groups. In fact, a um, little shout out to Josh Denhart and his new amazing uh, podcast, uh, You'll Laugh at This, Josh and I, Uh, have a Facebook group called the Carl and Josh Only Group, and it resulted as as kind of a joke um, uh, because of some Facebook groups that that we were in and whatever, and I forget how it came out. So we started this Carl and Josh Only Group. I think, oh, I think there was a group that wouldn't let us in because they felt like, you know, we were, we weren't children's pastors, we were marketing something. And so we were kind of like, hey, I'm a kid's pastor and we need ideas and we're not self-promoting. And so anyway, I said, well, then we'll start a group and we just won't anybody else in our group. Um, and yet we use this uh, Facebook group of two uh, to share things with each other. And it's kind of fun. And things only pop up about every three or four months, but when they do, um, it's a delight because we're, we're good buddies. The next one It's probably my favorite. I would end with it, but then it would mess up the spelling of the word touch. And that is the word unexpected. In a digital world, the best relational ministry is anything you can do that is completely unexpected. Um, Like snail mail. Yeah. Hey, admit it. When you check the mail and it's all these flyers and ads and refinance things and, you know, bills you're hoping, you're just hoping that there'll be something in that mail that's personal. In fact, just today, and I grabbed it, I got a thank you note in the mail, and I was so excited to open this up and to read it, and the person expressed their gratitude for for something that that I had done to reach out to them, and and this is so much nicer than an email. I should hold it this way uh, so you can see it, because you know, and emails are quick and they're important. Thank yous by email. At least you're saying thank you. But when I know someone took the time to find a card, to write in the card, to address an envelope, to find a stamp and then to mail it, uh, it shows some extra effort and it emphasizes and, and increases the impact of the few words that they wrote inside. This is so great with kids. Kids especially never get anything to mail. And they're asking you every day, did I get anything? Of course you didn't get anything. You're eight years old. Well, what if your kids in your church, they got stuff in the mail? I've got articles on Kidology that I'll link uh, in the Kidology Handbook, even about mailbox ministry. It's not too old. And kids love to get a packet with, you know, a little toy and a puzzle and a trading card and a balloon and stickers and a note from you. And uh, you can write with Crayola markers. So they write big. Your note can be short. It can be, hey, I think you're one cool kid. I'm so lucky I get to be your pastor. I can't wait to see you on Sunday. You write that with some colored Crayola markers, put on some colored paper, do some rubber stamping, put some stickers on it. And a kid's going to save that letter for years. The same is true with adults. If dropping a handwritten note in the mail um, can be so powerful. Think about a way you can touch them, impact them, write to them, communicate with them in a way that is non-traditional. I know one church that has a mugging ministry. I know it sounds terrible. No, they don't go around mugging people. They got some really nice mugs um, with their church logo. And they they visit all the visitors. They go to their home and they just mug them. And their rule is they will not go in the house even if they're invited. Because they understand that people... May feel an obligation to invite you in, um, but secretly, like they're never going back to that church again because they like came in my house. And so they they are trained and instructed to ring the doorbell. And say we're so glad you came to church. We just brought you a gift. And if they invite them in, they say no, 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 no we don't need to come in. We've got to deliver all these mugs. If you'd like a, a make an appointment or for a personal visit, we would love to do that. And they just give them a way to arrange that because if people will schedule it, then they really do want it and they really do need it. And I think this mugging ministry. That this church has is a wonderful idea. You may come up with something like that that's different and unexpected. All right, the next one, the letter C, is very simple. It's right up there with texting, but it's a little closer, and it's called calling, right? Call people, all right? Now, call on people, like home visitation. That would go to the unexpected, but just calling people, you know, and yes, More than half the time, you're going to get a voicemail message. I love just calling people out of the blue. And when I get a voicemail message, the first thing I say is, hey, this is Carl. You don't need to call back. I just call to check in on you, see how you're doing, see if there's a way that I can pray for you, and it's a lot of fun. Now, if you want to really have fun, I can't believe I'm bringing this up, but I'm I'm, I'm committed now. Um, I do calls with my puppet, Gus. And uh, the way I do it, uh, so it works... um, On the receiving end, it sounds like it's something what's really happening is is I have Gus call up. And Gus will go, Hey, this is Gus. And uh, Pastor Carl left his phone uh, on his desk unattended. (laughs) So, I decided I give you a little call. I do this for birthdays. So, I just wanted to wish you a little birthday song. And he starts singing, Happy Birthday to you. And then I come in the room. Now, I take the phone. I can't simulate it here with the mic without rolling my chair back and forth. But I do this with the phone. And whether it's a handle phone or my cell phone, when I'm talking, not the puppet, I move the phone away. So it sounds like I'm across the room. And then when I'm doing Gus, the phone's close to me. Then we do a switch where he's far away and I'm close and the calls get are get great. So I walk in the room, Gus is singing, happy birthday to you. And I'm like, Gus, what are you doing? Oh, oh, uh, uh, I'm just on the telephone. What is that my phone? Yeah, yeah, that's my phone. What are you doing on my phone? Well, I, I was just calling Billy for his birthday. It's Billy's birthday today. Hello, you didn't know it's Billy's birthday? Well, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Well, I'm singing him happy birthday. Thank you. And I go, give me my phone. And I grab the phone. And I'm like, hello, Billy, Billy. Then I switch to, it's an answering machine, dummy. Oh, it's an answering machine. Oh, you were leaving a message? Yes. How far to the song were you? And then, then I'll finish. Well, sorry, this has been crazy, but this past car, I hope you have a happy birthday. I'll talk to you later. See you later. And then I hang up the phone. I've been doing that for decades. And I can't tell you how many people have told me they saved the message. They've shared the message with everybody. And, you know, it literally takes me less than a minute sitting at my desk in the midst of a busy day to, to do a silly phone call like that. And, and I do them for grownups, too. They have to know who Gus is. Um, maybe some of you have gotten a Gus call. Um, I don't know. Maybe you don't want to admit it. So calling is so important. The last one is the letter H, and it is that we need to help people. See, we are in ministry to help people, not just to help them get to heaven, but to help them. Jesus said, you know, that the, the, he's like a doctor, right? That it's not the well who need him, it's the sick who need him. The people coming to our church, they're not well, in the sense that there's something going on in their life. And any time we can actually provide help to someone, that is the greatest form of, of ministry. That is better than a phone call or a text or an email or handwritten note or being mugged up with the mug, the coffee cup, because you're actually meeting a need. So when you find out about needs that people have, if you're able to help meet that need, and yes, it can be just a financial gift, but what I'm talking about is actually meeting a need in their life. So they experience God through you. You know, I want to close with a story of a time that God uh, used me to help someone and it made a profound impact in their life. Um, this happened years ago, so I feel like it's safe uh, to share this and won't get back to the, to the person who I helped. But down the street from my house was a house on a corner and I knew there was a family there. I knew they had a couple teenage boys and then there was a, a time when when they were just not caring for their house like their lawn was turning into a forest. Now I am not a neighborhood nazi. I'm usually oblivious to that, but this was getting to a point where it really looked bad. And I wasn't judging them because I'm terrible at mowing the lawn because of my own allergies. I procrastinate, but but this was getting to a point where I was every time I drive by I was thinking, "Yeah, they've got two teenage boys. Why aren't they mowing their lawn or whatever?" And every time I thought that, God would zap me with this thought and you know it's a Holy Spirit thought when it's nothing you would think on your own. Carl, there's there's probably something going on at home and they need some ministry. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I can't just walk in the door. they'll think I'm from a cult or something. And uh, but God just kept convicting me. and then one day I was out mowing my lawn and I could see down the street this house, and God says to me, I want you to go mow their lawn. You need to just help them. And I, you don't know anything that's going on in the house. The only thing you do know is that they need their lawn mowed. That's something you can do. Um, and so I I, I'm a, I have allergies. Like, I'm wheezing. I get sick when I mow the lawn. So I'm, like, arguing with God. Like, this is not safe. This is, like, dangerous, right? It's bad enough to do it in my own yard. And I didn't have a kid then, you know, that I could get delegated to. Luke's starting to mow. It's a little crooked, but, hey, it's him doing it. So I pushed my mower down the street. And I got to admit, I was not doing it with this super happy, smiley, Christian, serve, save the world attitude. It was kind of like, I either need to obey God or he's going to give me grief, you know, for a while. So I started mowing their lawn. And that's when I discovered the corner lots are big. Like it wrapped around. So I'm like, but once you start the first row, you can't like turn around and go home. So I do the first row. And then I start realizing as it's leaving chunks of grass, I I can't just leave this in the lawn. Like when I mow mine, it's a thin grass. I I just leave it. It becomes fertilizer. At least that's my theory. Never bag it. And um, don't send me a bunch of emails. I'm destroying the planet because I don't bag my grass. It's been fine for my whole life. But here, I was like, I got to bag this because it's going to look like a, I mean, it it was terrible. So I went all the way back home, got bags. I start bagging it. Then it starts raining. Not pouring because if it poured, I could have quit. I mean, that would have been my salvation. But it actually started raining, uh, just enough to make the grass wet. And if you know anything about grass, wet grass is hard to cut. And so now I am mowing this huge yard, I'm bagging up grass, I'm having a terrible time. But I gotta say, my attitude improved as I continued, as I got the satisfaction of seeing how great the yard was looking. I lined up I can't remember now, it was a ton of bags by the garage. I thought, well, they need some explanation. So I took all my stuff home, and I'm thinking, well, what what do I do? I didn't want to leave a note with my name and my address because in case they're mad. And so what I did, and it's a little corny, but I just wrote a little note, and I just wrote on this, an unkept yard sometimes is a signal that everything's not well in the home. I just wanted you to know that God knows And I said, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I want you to know that God knows, and he cares. And they're like, how do I sign it? So this is dorky. I signed it, the lawn angel. All right, I know, it's dorky. So I sealed it in envelope. I went down there, covert agent, hoping no one sees me, making sure no neighbors were looking out the windows. And I left in the door, and I ran home. Well, a couple days later, I find a note on my door, and it's addressed to the lawn angel. (laughs) Like, uh uh-oh, I've been found out. That HOA president must have reported me. So I get this envelope and it's thick. I don't know, I thought maybe it was court papers. You know, I didn't know what it was. I go inside and open it up. It's a handwritten letter, long letter, as the mom in this house explains what was going on in her home and what was going on in her marriage and, and what had happened with her husband. It was making her boys angry and bitter. Um, She worked at the local school, so there was a humiliation factor and the boys uh, being angry and embarrassed, and the house was a mess. And she says, the day you mowed my lawn, that's why it took her a week uh, to write to me, she said, I was at wit's end, I was done. Um, And she pulled over in her car, tears, she was having a hard time driving through her tears, and she said in this letter that she was going to end her life. And she said to God, first prayer she'd ever prayed, if you're real, you better prove it, or I'm I'm taking my life. She composed herself, started her car again, and when she drove around the corner, she saw her lawn looking beautiful. She walked up, and she found a note on her door from a stranger who said that they don't know what's going on, but God knows, and he cares, and he loves her. And it, it changed the direction of her life. It literally could save, could have saved her life. I mean, it did save her life. And so I was able to connect her with a local church, with a divorce recovery group, my church. I drove a long way to church, so I felt like my church was too far away. Um, I invited her, but got her plugged into a local church that had a ministry for what she was going through, and it changed her life. We are in the business of touching lives, and we need to be intentional about it. <laughs> And all the more so now as as we're having to hunker down and pull apart from physical meetings and things. So whether you're watching this right now during the crazy corona era or whether you're listening to this, you know, a year from now, ministry is about relationships. Notice that Jesus came as a child so he could grow and have relationships. He chose disciples. He walked and he talked with them. I know he didn't have an automobile. But he spent time with people and he touched their lives. And we need to do the same thing. So be intentional in your texting. All right. Be intentional online, whether it's your website being actually practical and helpful, not just a bunch of blah information, whether you start a YouTube channel because you want to connect with people, encourage them, but be creative in what you do online. So it's something that only you do. All right. Do the unexpected in this busy digital world find a way that you can connect with people in your ministry and in your spheres of influence in a way that's non traditional and don't forget to just pick up the phone and call somebody right it's it's amazing that that's so rare like we don't even people don't even answer the phone anymore cuz it's like probably a telemarketer right and so make sure you you redeem that for good and lastly be open ask the holy spirit who can i help Because if you can actually help someone, it'll make a huge difference in your life in ministry. So thank you for joining me here today on Kinman Talk. Remember to subscribe. Remember to share it. And remember, you can shape the show by asking me questions, letting me know if there's a topic that you'd like me to talk about. And I want to remind you, now that you're done with the podcast, to go to servehq.church, not dot .church, because it's there to serve the church and to be your service headquarters, your Serve HQ. Remember, 50% off for six months just by interacting with them on the, in the chat and email, letting them know you learned about it through Kidology, and they will help you better connect with people in your church and ministry. So until next time, thanks for spending this time with me. This is Carl talking Kidman with you.